The Hamlet Podcast, episode 127. Hello and welcome to this exploration of Shakespeare's Hamlet with me, your host, Connor Hanretty. We ended last week's episode with the stage direction that announced Claudius's appearance. A production can decide for itself how early or late the king might enter, since our focus is primarily on Ophelia. He can come in and observe, and he will refer to various aspects of her performance later in the scene, but certainly he has to be on stage by the place we stopped, since our next line comes from Gertrude, as she says, Alas, look here, my lord. She involves Claudius now, engaging him in the sight of the younger woman as she sings. On the page, it is just about impossible to read or write two things simultaneously, but Shakespeare comes as close as he can. Ophelia has started the next verse of her song, and then comes the stage direction and Gertrude's line. Perhaps it can be spoken over Ophelia as she sings. Ophelia's verse in total is as follows. White his shroud as the mountain snow, larded with sweet flowers, which bewept to the ground did not go with true love showers. This verse continues the description of the loved one's death. He is dead and gone, lady, as we heard last week, and now she describes that his shroud, the linen that wrapped the corpse, was white as the mountain snow and was decorated with sweet flowers. Larded, the word here, is a rather strange one that comes from cooking. Lard is animal fat and would be used in stews or pies to enrich the flavour of a dish. In my head, at least, there's a twisted little connection here between how Hamlet described Polonius as a dish for those politic worms, and now Ophelia describes him as he's being buried, larded for the worms with sweet flowers. It's a very rare word in Shakespeare, but amazingly enough, it appears again in the next scene of Hamlet. If you know this play well, you know that there are a good few more sweet flowers coming up later in this scene. The next line shows up in a variety of different ways depending on whose edition you're using. The consensus tends to read, which bewept to the ground did not go with true love showers. But some editions might give you, which bewept to the grave did go with true love showers. Now, ground or grave isn't a particularly strong difference, although I think I favour ground a little bit. Ophelia's descriptions are all natural, almost rustic. There's grass and stones and flowers and snow, and they all make the burial seem like it happened without much formal ceremony, perhaps in a natural setting. Calling it the ground rather than a grave also contributes to this sense. However, there's a pretty good reason maybe for saying grave instead, as we'll discuss just a little bit later. As for going or not going, have a listen to the metre of the song. He is dead and gone, lady, he is dead and gone. At his head a grass-green turf, at his heels a stone. White his shroud as the mountain snow, larded with sweet flowers, which bewept to the ground did go with true love showers. I think that sounds quite neat, and it could reasonably be assumed to be a tune or a folk song that Ophelia is remembering in her intense grief. However, it's rather more interesting if that extra knot is in there. White his shroud as the mountain snow, larded with sweet flowers, which bewept to the grave did not go with true love showers. Those true love showers are tears. A funeral can reasonably be accompanied by tears shed in sorrow for the person who has died. But what if Ophelia is suggesting through this little song 
that Polonius had a burial with no mourners, that he did not go to the ground with true love showers. The first several scenes of Act 4 were all about Hamlet's having hidden the body and Claudius's determination to find it, and then cover up the death and get Hamlet out of the country, technically for his own safety, in the aftermath of such a pure problem. Now we have Ophelia stumbling through this little song, which perhaps Shakespeare made up, we can't really know, and in it we get the sense that she has been prevented from attending Polonius's secret funeral, and we get this just from that one little knot interrupting the sing-song rhythm of her tune. Just goes to show, doesn't it, that close readings can yield dividends. Whether or not Claudius is listening carefully enough to pick up on where Ophelia's mind is going, he tries to speak to her, and he says, How do you, pretty lady? Given that she's come in with her hair down, with or without that lute, the idea is that Ophelia is not looking her most put-together best. So even if it's well-meaning, It seems a bit patronising for Claudius to call her pretty. Is this the best he can do? Does he have no other nice thing to say to a young woman? Pretty, as a word, shows up very often in Romeo and Juliet. A pretty fool, a pretty wretch, a pretty piece of flesh, and so on. So it makes me wonder if pretty has other meanings in Shakespeare. Here, whether Claudius means it as a compliment or something else, Ophelia does pick up on it. This is her reply. Well, God deal you, they say the owl was a baker's daughter. Lord, we know what we are, but we know not what we may be. God be at your table. At first reading, this does seem to suggest she's mad. Well, God yield you, is her reply. May God repay you for asking, she's saying. And next comes one of the strangest lines in the play. They say the owl was a baker's daughter. Most of the readings that I found for this tend to mention a folktale that concerns how Jesus visited a baker and asked for some bread. The baker's wife put some in the oven, but their stingy daughter insisted that they reduce the quantity, and so Jesus turned her into an owl. The story is apparently a lesson that people should be generous to the poor when they ask for help. And that's all very well, but I don't think that it has anything to do with what Ophelia is talking about. Even if she's completely insane, I don't think Shakespeare would be that random. Instead, I've tried to have a look at other ways in which Shakespeare uses owls. In both of Shakespeare's most famous poems, Venus and Adonis and The Rape of Lucrece, an owl shrieks while a sexual attack is taking place. Venus seduces the young man Adonis and Tarquin rapes Lucrece. Even further back, in Ovid's Metamorphosis, which we do know that Shakespeare liked, an owl hoots when a woman called Mira tries to seduce her own father. Folklore suggested that owls hooted when a young woman lost her virginity. So, owls might have something to do with young women having sex, whether or not for the first time. Now, remember that little song that Ophelia just sang? There's a white veil and the progress to the grave for death with sweet flowers and true love's showers. Death and the grave are often substituted for sex and the bridal bed. So there's enough imagery of brides in white with flowers here that we could start to get an image of chastity and virginity. And then the owl shrieks. Doesn't this make more sense than a weird notion of Jesus turning someone into a bird? As for the baker's daughter... From ancient Rome to Renaissance Italy, bakers' wives and daughters had a reputation for selling more than pastry. 
In Tudor England, the baker's daughter was also a slang term for a prostitute. Ophelia, bear in mind, is simultaneously mourning her father's death and Hamlet's disappearance, and the loss of any hopes she might have had with him. So it's entirely possible that the song could be about how she didn't get to go to Polonius's funeral and she didn't get to go to bed with Hamlet. She was the victim of Hamlet's blistering attack in which he suggested that women were untrustworthy whores and that she'd be better off in a nunnery, which was the only place a respectable family could send a daughter who had gone, shall we say, astray. Hamlet also called her father a fishmonger, which was another way of calling him a pimp and his daughter a hooker. Now, as her world and her mind collapse, doesn't it make more sense that this reference to the owl and the baker's daughter is more about how Ophelia has collapsed, in Hamlet's opinion, from maid to whore? Hamlet's line about how beauty, or being pretty, as Claudius just called her, can transform honesty from what it is to a bawd. I feel like there's method in Ophelia's madness, too. Her next line... I think, compounds this. She says, Lord, we know what we are, but we know not what we may be. Who knows what the future holds, she's saying. We have no idea where it may lead us. No amount of self-knowledge can prepare us for the unknown events in our futures, or what we ourselves may become. She wishes Claudius well, saying, God be at your table. As if to make the poor girl's situation worse, Claudius misinterprets or underestimates her distress. He tries to explain it, suggesting it is conceit upon her father. Claudius assumes that all of this talk, rich and specific as I'm suggesting it is, is just about her father's death. It's a short line, but perhaps Ophelia is cutting him off before he can continue and say anything else. Amazingly, she explains herself with the next song she sings. She says, pray you, let's have no words of this, but when they ask you what it means, say you this. Please, she's saying, don't speak about this any further. But if anyone asks what I meant, quote this. And then she sings another song. I should mention here that I got a request from a dear friend in California to sing these rather than speaking them, but I'm afraid I don't know the tune. So you can imagine Ophelia singing, or maybe write some music for these songs yourselves. She sings, Tomorrow is St. Valentine's Day, all in the morning betime. And I am made at your window to be your valentine. Then up he rose and donned his clothes and dupped the chamber door. Let in the maid that out a maid never departed more. There was another folk belief that the first person you saw on St. Valentine's Day was destined to be your lover. So here she sings about waiting at the window of the man she wants to guarantee that she'd be the first person he saw in the morning on St. Valentine's Day. So he gets up and dons his clothes and opens the bedroom door. He lets the girl in, a maid, so that they can spend their time together. And therefore, when she leaves the room, she will no longer be a maid or a virgin. This odd little song doesn't appear to have been written or mentioned anywhere else. So it's possible Shakespeare wrote it himself. Again, it's about the loss of virginity, about having sex and maybe falling in love. It ties in with everything else we've discussed here, and if Ophelia herself is saying that this song explains what's on her mind, it's probably worth listening to her. I had no idea that this episode would be as detailed as this, but I suppose that's the joy of research. The show notes for this episode will have some further information that I think you might enjoy. You'll find them at thehamletpodcast.com.
Thanks for listening, and I'll speak to you next time.